0: Well, happy Easter, everybody. Uh, Let me start with asking this question. Have you ever felt like things in your life turned upside down? All of a sudden, you got knocked off course, you drifted away. One moment, everything is great, and then in an instant, everything changes. Um, You're not alone. In fact, the Bible is jammed full of people who experience the same thing. Uh, even those closest to Jesus who walked with him and saw him every day, saw him perform miracles and raise the dead, even those people, John the Baptist, the relative of Jesus, in one moment he says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then in another moment, because his world was turned upside down and he's imprisoned and he's in jail, he sends a messenger over to Jesus and says, are you sure you're the one? When we face tough circumstances in life, it can seem like, our life gets turned upside down. Marriages, our health, our finances, uh, just around the corner, surprises that come that we didn't see coming. And there's a particular woman I wanna focus on today who was very close to Jesus. Um, Her her world and the disciples' world in a moment, they were turned upside down. Uh, Her name is Mary and she experienced those same feelings. And it's just a, another start of a week, but this week is different. And I don't know if you've ever been in this situation where you, you startle yourself awake from a dream uh, and, and you're breathing heavy and, and, and you, you, you're trying to get your, your, your composure, where, where am I? Because that dream felt so real. Mary startles herself awake before the sun has even risen. She's, hard. she's trying to make sense of what's real and what's a dream. And all of a sudden she realizes that her nightmare is, is not just a bad dream. She's actually, for the last 48 hours, she's been living uh, a tragedy. Uh, the man who she had followed for the last three years of her life, the man who changed everything, the man who saw beyond her seedy past and gave her hope, This man had been executed in front of her. This man had died. He was her teacher and her teacher, whose name was Jesus, before she could even make sense of it, was now in a tomb and she did not know what to do. Her life had been turned upside down. She hops out of bed and she sparks a candle and there on her dresser, she washes her face and decides, you know, I I can't sleep, I can't just stay here, and so she does what only she she knows to do, and that is to go and be close to her teacher. And so she gathers a little bit of figs and dates and ties her hair in a ponytail, and before the sun is even up, she begins to take a trek to the garden tomb. And it's in this moment with this woman whose life is turned upside down that we pick up the... The Easter story from the perspective of Mary Magdalene. And in John chapter 20, we read that early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the, to- the stone had been removed from the entrance. Now stop there. All of a sudden... Things are not what she expected. Already, she's, her life's been turned upside down, but now it's like pouring salt in the wound because now she immediately assumes, she immediately assumes somebody has robbed the grave. Somebody has desecrated the grave. Somebody has brought dishonor on the body of my teacher and now they've just taken him and taken the spices out and and removed the stone and she is beside herself. So she does only what she knows to do. She came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. Now, just a little point of, of, uh, of understanding. Uh, the, one, the one who Jesus loved, that's actually John who's writing the story. I think that's awesome. It's awesome that, that John is referring to himself, <laughs> the one that Jesus loved, by the way. <laughs> hey, if you're writing the gospel, you get to put the details in, okay? And so John puts the detail in that she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, John, the one Jesus loved, And here's what Mary says. They've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. And if you're taking a few notes today on this Easter Sunday, I'd invite you to maybe to write some thoughts down. Write this down. Our natural response in a crisis isn't usually hope when there's a knock on the door and there's a tragedy, when there's a phone call you did not expect, when there's a report that comes back from the doctor, when all of a sudden there's a stay home order by the city, our natural response in a crisis isn't usually, hey, everything's gonna be great. We usually hedge our bets. We usually uh, 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 do a knee-jerk reaction. We go grab as much toilet paper and water that we possibly can. We, in a crisis, we tend to, go inward. We tend to uh, focus on our feelings instead of faith. And this is what's happening with Mary. She goes to find Simon, Peter, and John and and says, we got to do something. This isn't right. She doesn't realize that the empty tomb represents hope. In her life, it's turned upside down. The empty tomb represents hopelessness. So the story continues. Peter and the other disciple, they started for the tomb. Mary comes and finds them out of breath, and so they start going. Both were running. And again, remember, uh, John is the one who who, uh, is writing this. Watch, Watch this next line. The other disciple outran Peter. <laughs> he said, John outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He just wanted to make sure, you know, for everybody keeping track and keeping score that John was faster. I mean, John is basically saying, you know, Peter, Peter's pretty good at the old, uh, you know, quick to cut a guy's ear off, but I, I, could, I could win in a sprint. Anyway, John bends over and looks in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. John is in a in a in a moment where he gets to the tomb and he doesn't want to desecrate the tomb more than it's already been dishonored. He he he's be, being reverent. you ought not to horseplay, horse around in a cemetery. My my dad as we were young kids, he would make sure of that if we ever went to go visit a, a tombstone and put flowers on a tombstone of grandpa or grandma, there was a there's a certain amount of respect that you have in the in, in the cemetery. And so John is kind of checking things out and there's this holy concern here. But it goes on to say, Simon Peter came along behind him. you know, <laughs> And he went straight into the tomb. Like he doesn't care. He's a bull in a china shop. He's just got, what's going on in here? I mean, it's Peter, okay. And he just busts right through and the story goes on. Peter also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Now, that's an interesting, like, why? You know, like, why put that in scripture? What what does that teach us? I want you to know, and you need to listen carefully, nothing is ever wasted in scripture. The word of God, the scripture is God's breath to us. His word to us. And this, this, this element is very, very important that this, this cloth that covered Jesus' head was not only just thrown in, it wasn't thrown into the corner, it was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. This is our first piece of evidence to conclude what's going on in this moment. In fact, you may want to write it down. The evidence at the grave in this moment doesn't suggest robbery, it doesn't suggest that someone st- Stole the body of Jesus. It represents something completely different. Uh, You know, here's what it does. The evidence at the grave suggests intentionality. I I don't know about you, but if I was trying to sneak into someone's house and and steal their 60-inch LED TV, I, I wouldn't stop and fold the laundry on the couch. And here's what we're seeing with Jesus. Jesus is intentional. Not only does he raise in power and resurrect and come back alive, he, he is a detailed kind of Jesus. He's a, he's a fold your grave clothes after you resurrect kind of God. And the Bible says that before the foundations of the earth were formed, the Lamb of God would be slain. It had been thousands of years that Jesus was preparing for this moment. Long before there was a betrayal of Judas' kiss, long before the crowd cried crucify, long before a spear pierced Jesus' side and blood and water soaked the rocks underneath the cross, Every T was going to be crossed. Every I was going to be dotted. And there is unbelievable intentionality in every word he's spoken. Every step he took. He fulfilled every prophecy. He fulfilled every law. He was a sinless, spotless lamb of God who, who covers the sin of the world. And that's how valuable you are to him. He doesn't just kind of do it. He goes all the way, and he is unbelievably intentional. In fact, what you need to understand is not only is Jesus intentional with his resurrection, but write it down, every detail in your life matters to God. Jesus says, if I have my eye on the sparrow, how much more will I have my eye on you? If the hair on your head is numbered, how much more do I see that hurt? I see that tear nobody else saw, that wound nobody else knows about. I know the details. And we're not ever, we're not always rescued from our life being turned upside down. But in those tragic moments, in those moments where we can't make heads or tails of things, every detail in your life matters to God. And so here Mary is looking behind as Simon is, is, is walking through the, the tomb and John's got his hand on the edge of the tomb looking in. What do you see, Simon Peter? What do you see? And we, we pick up the rest of the story that finally the other disciple, and, uh, who had reached the tomb first, you, you see the competition here. He, you know He's still the fastest. John also went inside and here's what happens. As John goes inside the garden tomb, he saw and believed. Now, now, now here's what's important to understand. Um, we want to assume that, that the characters of the Bible have an inside scoop, that they've got the cliff notes, that they know, they know the next scene that's going to happen. They are living in upside down world just like you and I, not knowing what's around the bend. And so when, when John writes, he saw and believed, understand that he he was seeing and believing that Jesus was gone. That's it. He wasn't believing that, that Jesus had resurrected from the dead. He was just believing what Mary had said, that, that they'd taken him. Because the next line in the scripture, it says it like this. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Their life was turned upside down Still. And you know what, if this was about them believing he had resurrected, probably the next scripture would say, and so John and Simon Peter started saying, Jesus, Jesus, come out, come out wherever you are, but no, that's not what they do. As a matter of fact, the disciples went back to where they were staying, and where they were staying was in a safe house with the shutters drawn, the drapes closed, the kerosene lamps dimmed for fear that the crowd was going to crucify them too because they were followers for fear that the Roman guards were going to drag them up to Golgotha as well if they did it to their master what will they do to them and so Simon Peter and John go back to their comfort zone they go back to their upside down world and Mary she can't she can't do anything but just stay there and dig through these emotions that she's dealing with. The story continues that Mary stood outside the tomb crying. Now, I want you to write this down. This is something really, really important. Do you know that our emotions can sometimes blind us from seeing truth? When the emotions get high in the marriage, sometimes it can keep you from seeing the truth about who you are when all you're doing is you're seeing the speck in their eye and you got a sequoia tree hanging out of yours, our emotions, when they get out of control, they can blind us from seeing the the truth. Your emotions when you're dealing with a hurt, when when you are holding on to unforgiveness of somebody and you're hanging on to that hurt that they did to you, that emotion of bitterness can actually blind you from seeing the way out of that hurt. But this is Mary, she's, she's emotionally beside herself and she can't see what is so clearly evident right in front of her because the story continues. That Mary stood outside the tomb crying and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and here's what happens. She saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. Simon Peter and John would have mentioned it. Like, like they would have said, well, hey guys, hey angels. But she doesn't even, she does, it doesn't even compute because her emotions are out of control and she's blinded to the truth that these are, these are heavenly beings. Surely they're coming with some, some good news. And they go on to say, hey woman, why are you crying? She can't even think straight. She's like, what do you mean, why am I crying? She says, she says well, they've taken my Lord away. Duh, what do you think I'm crying? You're in the tomb, you know he's gone and I don't know where they have put him. (laughs) And at this, she turned around and whoa, wait a second, stop, hold the phone. She sees Jesus and Jesus is standing there. Wow. But again, her emotions have got the best of her she did not realize that it was Jesus. Can I say something to you that maybe, maybe you've kind of been going through life and you, you've got your own theories. You've got your own theories about life and creation and Jesus and you know maybe a higher power. Maybe there's a big man upstairs, maybe there's not. And, and I want you to know that, that um, Jesus is alive and he's real and he's created us, and he's got a good plan for your life. But unfortunately, many times we can walk through this life driven by our emotions, driven by our own theories, and we can be seeing Jesus and not even realize that that's Jesus who actually protected you. It's actually Jesus who gave you that second chance. It isn't, wasn't just good karma that saved you out of that situation. You, you may not even see it, but I want you to know that Jesus is on the move in your life. Whether you see him or not, he's on the move. And Mary, thinking he was the gardener, like thinking he's just there to weed eat and pull, pull some weeds and lay out some mulch, she says to him, excuse me, sir, if you've carried him away, she's like just pointing fingers to everybody, you know, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. I'm gonna drag that body back into this tomb, bless God. <laughs> and she turns, and she goes to walk away and Jesus says to her, now stop. I wonder how many people, you, you, if Jesus were to speak to you right now, some of you have a, an idea of what he would say to you. Maybe he'd say, well, it's about time you started, well, you know, attending Easter, even if it is in your own living room. Well, it's about time you kind of start thinking about me, the big man upstairs. What did Jesus say to her? Did Jesus say, kneel down? You don't even recognize me? I'm I'm not a gardener. I'm God incarnate. I'm God in the flesh. Jesus, what did Jesus say? Or did he say, did he say, suck it up? You're so emotional. Like stop your crying, Mary. Get it together. Pull yourself together. And I wonder how many of us we fill in the blank with, I can't believe you did that. I mean, I see, I see all the junk you've done in the past. I see all your issues. No, 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 no. G- Jesus is so simple here, and it's it's the good news of our God. He just says Mary. He calls her by name. And the words of her rabbi, the voice of her teacher, the voice of the man who she knows is the Messiah. He knows her by name. I wonder if you've ever turned on the radio and heard an old song and it takes you back to where you, like takes you way back to that time, to that prom, 1997. And I swear by the sun and the moon. And whatever, I don't remember. You know, you, you remember, you, 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 you walk into a, a house and the smell of the cooking brings up an old memory of, of grandma's house. You ever come across a picture of a loved one and it just, it just makes you smile and it's like you can, hear, you can hear their own laugh. She wasn't even looking in his direction according to the word of God. But at the sound of his voice, in at the mention of her own name, everything changes in that moment. And it doesn't just change for Mary, it changes for you and for me. Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ isn't just a historical event that we celebrate today. The resurrection of Jesus is a personal event for you and for me. And there's no greater name than the name of Jesus. And this same Jesus knows you by name. And in this moment, she, she pivots Hearing her name, and she says, she turns towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni Rabboni which in that Aramaic, Aramaic, it means teacher. It means teacher. And she goes to embrace him, and he says, hey, hang on, hang on. I, I know you want to hug me and be right here, but actually, not yet, not yet. I actually want to give you some purpose. Go, go tell the disciples. Go tell the disciples i'm back and i'm getting ready to go to my father go tell them the good news and sure enough mary gets her composure she wants to just stay there and just like be at the feet of her teacher one more time but filled with new purpose filled with a life that's not turned upside down it's now turned right side up she runs to go find the disciples who were hunkered down, self-quarantined in their gathering place in that little safe house. Earlier that morning, the first time she ran to find Simon, Peter, and John, she was scared. She was desperate. She was hopeless. This was her life that had been been interned. It had been inverted. All she knew had changed with the death of her rabbi. But then she has a personal encounter with a risen Savior named Jesus. And now she goes to find the disciples again. And she's excited. And she is hopeful. And she has purpose. And I want you to know when you come face to face with the risen Savior, your life can find meaning and purpose and potential. And there's all kinds of things you wonder how God could ever use you. I'm telling you, he takes all that and he can meet you right where you are. That's that's what a personal encounter with Jesus does. And a personal encounter with Jesus turned Mary's life right side up. She knocks the secret knock on the door of the safe house and they let her in and she's like (laughs) And they're like, now what? Now what, Mary? Now what's happened? She doesn't wanna be like the girl who cried wolf, right? She goes, listen, 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 listen. I thought they had stolen him. (laughs) I got it all wrong. I got it mind blown, John. Mind blown, Peter. He's like, well, spit it out, what do you mean? She said, I've seen the Lord. He's alive. We don't know how much longer it was. But in that same place, Jesus walked through the wall and met them in their upside-down life. And he breathed peace on them and he gives them the Holy Spirit the same spirit that raised him from the dead he places in them and when it sounds familiar that he would breathe on them you go back to the very beginning of creation to the first man dirt and God himself breathes life into dirt and that's what Jesus does in upside down people He will breathe life into the dirt and give you a fresh start. You know, as we close it down today, I wonder this question, and maybe you're wondering this question too, and it's this, why Mary? Like, 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 honestly, why Mary? Out of all the people that he could have used, he he could have used the two angels, Why didn't he use John, the one who Jesus loved? Why did he he choose a woman whose testimony wouldn't be uh, even allowed in a Jewish courthouse? Like women weren't even valued. Their voice and their opinion wasn't valued in that day. Why would he choose Mary? Furthermore, it wasn't Mary, mother of Jesus. It was Mary Magdalene, who we we learned earlier that, that she actually had seven demons in her she was she was vexed and wounded and hurt and and had had issues i mean if you're if you're going to choose between the essentials and the non-essentials why choose an essentially voiceless woman with a seedy past To be the key witness in the most incredible story in human history. Why Mary? Why Mary Magdalene? Lean in, everybody. It's because that's the kind of people Jesus died for. For God so loved the world doesn't mean for God so loved people who got their ducks in a row for God so loved the world that he loved the people that were really religious and did good things because I want to tell you you can be a good person and you can miss Jesus by a mile but Jesus uses Mary to show us today a couple thousand years later people who have a past he will speak your name people who can't see clearly, who have out of control emotion, emotions, who, who have turned their back on Him and are trying to do it on their own. Jesus wants to get personal with you. So if you're watching today, I want you to listen close. We're not just mistakers today, because anybody, I mean, you know, you bite your bottom lip hard enough, you can fix some of your mistakes, but you're not just a mistaker, you are a sinner. And I'm a sinner. And sinners are people that basically say, I wanna be on the throne of my life. And what that does is it separates us from who Jesus really is, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But he calls Mary by name and he visits the disciples right where they are and right in your living room, right off of that phone or laptop or television screen I want you to know that Jesus wants to have a personal encounter with you today. And you know what a personal encounter with Jesus, you know what that does? (laughs) It turns everything right. (laughs) That's what it does. It turns slaves into sons and daughters. And if you're here in the sound of my voice. I invite you just to make a moment between you and God. Maybe you're there with your family. Maybe you've been trying to flip pancakes while trying to watch. I I just want to invite you in this moment do some business with God. Don't do business with Pastor Jeremy. Do business with God here. Know that he is not mad at you. Know that he loves you. That it's okay that you're not okay right now that maybe your life feels out of control and turned upside down. He will make things new. So in your own words, you'd say, Jesus, I surrender to you. Thank you for knowing my name and knowing my past and still loving me so much that you would give me this moment to make things right with you. I can't fix my sin. I invite you to take my sin away and give me a fresh start. Be the Lord and savior of my life and now you can see and believe everybody and now you believe i believe in my heart that you are lord and i'm going to confess with my mouth today jesus you raised from the dead and you know be my you know me by name and you want to breathe life into me just like you did them and can i tell you that when you have that personal encounter with jesus not not only do you become sons and daughters from slaves to sin? But He will take your ashes and bring beauty out of it. He can He can take your despair and He can give you hope. The mourning that has been been on you, the hurt, the the wound, the upside downness, can be turned to joy. Your pain that you thought, what am I going to do with this? in my life, do you know that he can turn it right side up and it can become a platform that other people can see the pain that you experience and it become a platform for a miracle of God in your life, through your life and ultimately the same way that Mary experienced on Easter Sunday, the very first one, a grave became a garden again and a gardener became God the son he's not just a philosophy he's a person and he turns everything right